Welcome to Interscription. It has been widely suggested by professors and theologians that sports of all kinds are awful and that social media is worse still. I find myself taking the opening out of opening comments for this week's podcast, while Rich helps us land on more media-relevant topics such as Amazon's new sci-fi series and a finale with just not enough dragons. Thanks for staying on this road with us. You're saying that while I'm having these old man rants about life, about things, I should be rendering it to audio. Is that your suggestion, well, sir? I, I do. If we're not cutting it to tape, as the youngins say, then we're not doing it right. But uh, yeah, you know, we are cranky and think that social media is bonker pants and people just want the selfie cam on all the time. And I think that's <clears throat> worth complaining about on the air because we're posting a podcast. So there's something very meta about complaining about other people wanting the spotlight as we, you know, record and produce our own podcast and ask people to listen to us. Yeah, definitely. Like and subscribe while we talk about how much we hate like and subscribe. I agree. <laughs> I, I don't think it's bonker pants. I think it's fucked. I am I am really <laughs> I'm really upset about it. I'm so upset. I I um I absolutely appreciate your positioning of how uh, uh, there is, um, and maybe Meta is even too generous for us. We're we are part of the problem, but I, I, I just. I, one of my problems with it, and it's just social media, I don't want to throw Meta under the bus here because there's just a new platform coming up all the time that's doing a slightly different spin on the same problem. But the idea that I I think it has, it, it, it may not be fair to say it is the point at which there is a fundamental shift in society for this, but I think one of the inflection points that can be blamed on the greater part of social media to me would be the problem inherent in the anonymity of the internet that started even earlier, uh, writ large, because of how easy it is to do social media. Um, it isn't quite anonymity in that way, but there is an abstraction. Um, I, I think we've talked about uh, some pretty heady topics uh, on this podcast, uh, technical and otherwise. And one of them that uh, we've talked about is the um, uh, hardware abstraction layers or HALs um, for uh, devices that are uh, put into computers. And so they need this hardware abstraction layer that allows developers to use that hardware without writing to every last video card and every last sound card and every last network card and every last whatever. They just need to say, hey, draw a triangle. And then this abstraction layer sits in the middle and it tells the thing on the other side, hey, you need to draw a triangle. I hope you can do it well. Here's the instructions. And then right. it, it does that in the middle. and. That has its place. I think an abstraction layer has its place for sure. Um, there's an efficiency around having that. Uh, my uh, current objection with social media at large is that that has become uh, something that has taken away the uh, 
evolutionary need to uh, prove your point in in flesh and blood. Uh, I, I think that is a, a, a place that uh, is at least a part of the inflection point of when we will be able to look back on the downfall of society, uh, because I do think that that uh, ability to have to do that uh, in a room of your with big air quotes peers um is is an art is a skill um and it does have a natural filtering process so if you walk into a room and just say i ate guacamole today and nobody gives a shit then that is something you may decide not to do and maybe you do decide to do that and maybe people are interested in guacamole maybe you'll get punched in the mouth for talking about guacamole because they don't like it or maybe they'll just ignore you um but i think that the abstraction layer of social media has falsely impressed upon its users the importance of their content and um I don't know what to do about that. I don't know that I'm supposed to do anything about it other than be part of the problem here by or, recording a podcast. But I, uh, the to say that I fucking hate when that happens is so grossly understated. I don't think that I could really do it justice by saying it in one language. Like I should translate it and say it again. That's how much I feel it to be a problem. Yeah, I, I think you hit on something that is really interesting about social media. It's largely asynchronous. And so you have this problem. Sometimes uh, for my day gig, I teach courses and I'll go and you know, get into a room with other lawyers and uh, stand up for a day and talk about my practice area. And I can look at the people and see if they're if they're getting it, if they're vibing, if they're just there to get their credits at the end of the year, and I can kind of change it up and modulate what I'm doing. I've also, especially in COVID, done some of those as like national teleconferences. And I fucking hate doing the latter. Uh, doing the podcast with you, it's great because if I'm saying some dumb shit, I see you and I see you rolling your eyes or trying to get a lawnmower going outside so that you don't have to listen to me. And I'm getting Fuck. that. I've been found out. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> but, uh, I'm so glad you know about it now because that's very expensive nah, to have on a monthly budget. <laughs> I do. I called them. I paid them off. It's fine. It's going to be okay. silent while I go on this rant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like when you think about that like the teleconferences I don't like because I'm basically just talking into the air and nobody else is there and I don't know if I'm hitting the right cadence if I'm getting points even when it's live and there's people because they're all muted and it's not video I don't see them I don't hear them I'm not interacting and if you think about Twitter Instagram meta like all of these platforms it's much more like that where you're putting your very well curated and well thought out points of view out into the ether. And even when the comments come back, they're doing the same thing where they're shouting at somebody who isn't really real. And uh, there's never a conversation where you have to look at somebody. It's not like, uh, you know, our podcast, we're both here in the real live when we are vibing on something that we both like, we're conversing and we're seeing and hearing and understanding each other. And that doesn't happen. And so when you put up an Instagram story or you start tweeting your nonsense uh, all over the place, 
nobody else is there. You're basically in your room by yourself, just uh, drunk dialing the internet and everybody who's responding to you, whether it's to give you kudos or to sell your nonsense take is also doing the same thing. Like you're still, you're not there for them any more than they're there for you. And so it heightens the importance because you've got this broadcasting platform, but it totally guts the idea of conversation in a way that something like, you know, discourse, you know, basically like the modern, like BBS chat rooms are like, that doesn't happen there. Like somebody starts talking bullshit and they get shut down or a mod comes in and says, yo, back on topic, you know, this is about hardware abstraction layers, not why social media sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And like, but mm-hmm. it is real time and there isn't that real time in Twitter in the same way because everybody's just talking past each other. And I think that's a big part of that. And then you get the likes, you know, you don't really get dislikes on most of these platforms because that's not good for them. Like it doesn't promote you continuing to post if you get punched in the face for talking about guacamole, what they'll do is they'll just stop showing your post to non-guacamole people and yes. make sure that you get more likes because they want only that positive feedback loop of you putting more content out so they can ride those coattails of free content to the people who want to hear about it and sell ads to those people for Chipotle and only Chipotle lovers, right? Yes. And so like that also is part of the problem. Like you have algorithms and systems that are built to encourage every asshole with a point of view to just keep shouting about it without hearing any discourse, without hearing any feedback, without actually having a conversation. And I've gotten into this with you in politics too, as coarsely, grossly divided as our country is and as repugnant as politics have become where it's just turned into sports hate. Like it's nothing more or less than, well, that is a, an absolutely terrible candidate, but they're my team's quarterback, so I'm going to root for them, whether they beat up puppies or not. Like, that's just how we're going to go. And I know that's probably on the nose. It's more a Mike Vick reference than a Dr. Oz reference, but, you know, it's the same thing uh-huh. as the point that I'm making, is that it's you're still going to root for your guy, no matter how bad or good they are. And that's kind of taken the wind out of it. But then you sit down, you know, and sit actually talk with somebody who is on the opposite side of all of this stuff, whatever flag they have, because everybody who is on one side or the other has flags now. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you need a flag. It, it, a lot of flags. Eddie, so many flags. All the flags. Eddie Does Izzard it, said it, man. <laughs> if, if, if you don't have a flag, you can't have a country. But that's, that's that, that those are the rules. Those are the rules. Uh, but like actual discourse, like, you and I have grown up with a lot of people on very polar opposite sides of things, and we have had lovely conversations with them about what they actually care about, what they believe in, no matter how differently they're going to vote or perceive these issues in us. At the end of the day, when we sit down at a table with somebody, we have far more in common than apart with almost everybody here. Uh, just like I, as an Eagles fan, probably have way more in common with a Cowboys fan than you have with either of us because we both love football, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of the heart of it. And yeah, I do think I'm with you. I think the way social media has developed algorithmically, procedurally, how it has fostered the worst of us um, is leading to that increased splits and this increased siloization 
siloation. Si- we're in silos. I don't know what si- that means, but we're in them. And si- silosity. Silosity is definitely the name of our new exercise app. Yes, silosity. Yes. That's it. Or or diet pill. Diet pill. Uh, you take your diet pill when you're on the thing. You do that. Uh, maybe like a religious, like kind of like weird fringe, like silosity. Get all the answers. It would be that if it was like PSY silosity, not SIL, right? Well, it is now. I, I, now it is. Yeah, yeah. Now we've got it. Um, it'll be trademarked by the end of the episode. Yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Everyone, it's great to have a lawyer on your podcast. I'm, just, it. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out yeah. there. And and I, you know, and as you're saying that too, I am sure that we did not want to talk about this on this podcast, but I can't get off this train right now. I will try very hard to very soon. Just got to finish. But as someone very wise once told me, the only way out is through. I, I think that my... I think to 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 overly simplify the answer, uh, I would say that you shouldn't say shit that you're not willing to back up, and I I think that that right there has there's so many hooks and complexities in social media that have allowed people to say shit that they don't have to back up. It is it, it is not simply the idea that you talk past each other or that it's asynchronous because that is the 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 germination of the problem absolutely but certainly the uh upgraded versions of social media have allowed us to what they've allowed us to have echo chambers so do you only follow and are followed by the people that agree with your viewpoint or will at least not neg your viewpoint or at least will not tear you the fuck down like that's number one right like and that's been happening for a while i Somewhat recently, I don't remember exactly when Twitter and I'm sure others are just taking suit because they're all doing the same damn shit everywhere. It allows you to put a post up, but only allow people that you follow (laughs) to respond. Right. So (laughs) so it's it's Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, check it out. I've I've hand curated publicly, publicly. I've put out this thing publicly on Twitter, but I've hand curated the people who are allowed to comment on what I have to say. Like, yeah, you've you've specifically created this. It's the. um Oh gosh, what was the one? I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of this uh, movie now. There's been a couple of times that this has come up, but I'm thinking of the wrestler Fox Catcher, the wrestling movie um, with Michael Scott in it, because he's always going to be Michael mm-hmm, Scott, mm-hmm. Um, Steve Carell, and Forty Year Old uh, Virgin. Yes, Forty Year Old Virgin. He was in that too, but uh, <laughs> but also he was in Fox Catcher, and we'll talk about Fox Catcher now. That so he was. Um, that wrestler, I think it was Dupont. I think it was it was about the Duponts. So that was that that movie, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene where he was wrestling, but because he's like he's feared because of his state in money and business as a Dupont, he he's wrestling with people and he's terrible at wrestling. He's awful at wrestling. He doesn't know how to wrestle at all. But they're pairing him up with people who are very good at wrestling, and they're letting him win because he's 
he's untouchable. They don't want him to ever feel like he's doing a bad job here. So they they like have curated his experience to make him feel like he's doing good. And how is Twitter any different? Like if you have set up your system in such a way that you can now loudly yell the dumbest, most inane bullshit on the internet and only allow the people who you've deemed worthy to respond to it, like, does that, does that mean that anything you say holds water? Like, what is that? Like, it's, it's all being put under the, the, the guise of moderation, right? Like of like, well, there's too many trolls out on the internet. Right. And, and yet why, how is it possible that we are allowing half of that to still go unchecked? Like, and, and that part to me, I think, has has maybe blown my mind the most about it, right? Like we are we are furthering in a very complicated and thoughtful way the ability for people to be unchallenged. And I don't believe that challenge was ever the problem. I will I will go to my grave thinking that challenge has never been a problem. I think that true challenge, not negging and not trolling, but challenge has never been an issue. Uh, and if you you are challenged and you cannot handle the challenge, then you shouldn't say that shit. Like that's how I, I ultimately, that's where I, I, I land. Like I, I'm anybody who wants to post something, but definitely wants to be insulated by, b- from responses from other human beings, I feel like doesn't have the stones to get up there in the first place. Like that's the whole thing. When you think about comedians, right? Like if you can't handle hecklers, right? If you're training a class, whether it's seven-year-olds or legal peers, right? If you can't handle your classroom, you should not teach, right? right. Like, I mean, there are going to be people who are not going to fall in line with what you have to say. If you can't be a drill sergeant, if you can't keep your soldiers under control, there's too many examples of you needing to be able to handle the challenge that comes up. And that, I think, is what I have to say about that. Yeah, no, I I think that's it. The only modulation I would put on that is that I don't think it originally comes from want. I think we've grown into want in the same way we have participation trophies. Like nobody asked for them. We developed a generation that expected them. I think it comes from that idea that if you have these disparate viewpoints and you have somebody who is maybe shy about their opinions and they're going to share them and then get the shit kicked out of them, then they're not going to use your platform anymore, which means you're not going to be able to sell advertising to them anymore. And so I do think that that's the kernel where it starts. And then Mm -hmm. that kernel blossoms into expectation because I'm so used to not being challenged that that muscle has been atrophied and I don't know how to use it anymore. And so when we turn that dial off and we open our thoughts up to critique and challenge and healthy debate and stop turning truth into a commodity because you only get to the truth if you challenge ideas yes. like that that's actually the scientific method like that's how the whole thing works is that we have a guess and then we're going to rigorously test it and more often than not our hypotheses are wrong because that's how science works is mm-hmm. we take a shot at it and we're usually wrong and then we adjust and we come back and that's what the fuck debate is right mm-hmm. like we're putting an idea out there and then we are testing it against people. And if you want to know why there are people who think that 
the planet isn't burning, which is the issue, the only issue that I care about with children. Like, is that... Uh, du jour, yes. Right, like, <laughs> yes. Du jour. it is a fucking soup out there, and yes. shit is nonsense. But we have people who have grown very complacent and comfortable in their bubbles, and we have people who have weaponized the system and use it to great effort to move those folks over into this other truth chamber that has just an objectively different reality until it's so different between these polar sides that we can't see each other even as humans anymore because we don't understand how we got from A to B, like where the problem started. Uh, I do think it's uniquely American. I think mm. the the radical polarization, and I will advance as an example of that. Um, Liz Truss, Prime Minister of the UK, for I think all of six weeks before she crashed and burned. Uh, yep. There was some like mean, you know, whether or not she would outlast a head of lettuce and you know be prime minister until that head of lettuce rotted, and she yep. actually did not. She but did not. when she resigned. She had 6% support of the UK population, 6%. Imagine for a second any member of either of our political parties ever dropping to 6% and losing that much support of their own party. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think that can happen here. Like, I don't think that's possible. I don't think you would get there no matter how terrible a job anybody was doing because you still have this base amount of social media fed people on both sides who are going to think that everything is rosy and that uh, anybody saying something wrong or that is discordant with what they think to be true is just making it up and that that's not actually the reality in front of them. And so like, yeah. I do think that part of it is that hyper polarized uh, silosity Silosity is uniquely American, but I think it's spreading. Like I think we that is our chief export, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah, we should not do that. I, I do think that the silosity um, that has uh, um, some of how that has manifested itself as it relates to politics. Um, I have found a. Um, uh, these are broad generalizations because, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but, That's right. uh, but I, I think that, um, things that lean a bit more left in my, you know, as my kind of pushing through various social media feeds and, and, uh, back of napkin research, nothing, nothing particularly uh, worth holding water here. But I think that one of the ways in which that angers me from a more, uh, liberal perspective has is is that there is um, something that reeks of weakness to me. Um, I, I I and I should clarify that it, it is weakness in both sides. But I think that the lack of being able to withstand challenge, um, I think, in a lot of the liberal viewpoints that I've seen, um, is is is. Uh, is it festers um, with uh, liberal viewpoints quite a bit because there is no challenge, right? Like there's nothing that pushes against it, um, and it it becomes something that is unchecked and uh, it does not allow for discourse. And I I I, um, I I feel that that vibe very much from from things that I have seen and things that I've read. So like whether or not you're able to agree or not or ask questions or talk about something, um, there. 
uh, feels like it is it is neutered, it is unwelcomed there. What and so it has it has allowed for things that I don't know are even necessarily liberal anymore. I think they are just unchecked ideas that may have started as being liberal, um, and so that that can be quite difficult for me to digest. Um, from a conservative perspective, one of the things that I think it has wrought and where it has rotted on on, on conservative viewpoints is a meanness um, that uh, is left unchecked. Um, and so uh, it really isn't so much about fact anymore, right? Like there. And so what when it is left unchecked there, when there is unchecked challenge on the on the conservative side, again, broadly speaking, um, it seems that there is a is a much nastier um, and uh, you you uh, schooled me a long time ago on the term term ad hominem um, where uh, there are personal attacks and there are um, very um, uh, irresponsible inappropriate and uh, directed uh, behaviors that I feel like are again things that are part of that echo chamber and part of this uh, curation, right? Um, so th there's there's ways in which it has uh, become infected in across the spectrum, um, and I I, um, I I lament it all, and and it does point to the fact that social media broke it first, right? And it's just how the infection spread and what it did to both parties is just a very different problem. Um, but it's both gross to me. It's just gross in a different way, right? Like I, uh, uh, to keep with the conservative thing for a second, um, I, uh, I know you've been up here in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania before and driven around these uh, neighborhoods Born with and me. raised, and yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, a war war zone up here sometimes with you know from house to house whether or not you uh, you see Oz or Fetterman on the on, on the uh, on the front uh, on the front lawn. But uh, I am I can literally walk from my house and there is a flag hanging on someone's front porch that says Joe and the Ho have got to go and that's nasty like yep. that's just mm -hmm. a nasty thing to say I don't I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about whether or not Joe Biden is a good president or Kamala Harris is a good vice president um, like so many of those celebrity positions that those people hold, I don't know that we'll ever really know that. Um, you, we all have our, uh, our our feelings about who's good and who's bad and what they've wrought and what good they've done and what bad they've done and, and all of that. Um, but it, 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 it typified some of what I'm talking about right now, where it is just allowed for unchecked aggression in the, in the words of Jeffrey Lebowski of the big Lebowski fame. Uh, and I, and I, I think unchecked aggression is a problem. I don't think nature allows that. I don't think you get to just walk around and smack other animals in the face unless you want to get bit sometimes. And, uh, I think it's awful. I think it is truly like a, I think it's a terrible example for the world. I think it's a terrible example for communication. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it is something that I, um, is nigh unforgivable, uh, quite, quite frankly. Um, I saw something in my Twitter feed yesterday that, uh, kind of bothered me, uh, and of course I got to it exactly, I don't know, 12 or 13 minutes too late. So I couldn't have all of the information about it, but apparently somebody put up a post on Twitter about how, um, they did not believe in 
trans people like they just didn't believe in them or whatever and they they because they had a friend who had something that happened with something i don't know it was you know it was some you know some nonsense that somebody went on about and so the takeaway from this very liberal person uh they quoted that tweet which was apparently deleted so i couldn't have all the information about that tweet anymore um was that the takeaway of the tweet that i read was uh, this is why people shouldn't, with air quotes, ask questions about trans because it turns into this. And I read that and said, "Well, I I don't agree with that. I don't <laughs> I don't th- I don't think I shouldn't ask questions. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> There's things that I do not understand about the trans movement to this very day. I think that as a human being, I should be able to ask a question. I don't think that because somebody had a a, an agenda when they quote unquote asked a question and were actually trying to attack somebody that I should be lumped into somebody who's not allowed to now ask questions. And, and, and I clicked on that particular tweet because I had my fingers at the ready. I said, great, I'm going to go ahead and ask a question about you not letting me ask questions. And guess what? When I clicked on that, it said, you're not following this person, so you're not allowed to comment on it. And so the intense weakness and fragility of that viewpoint absolutely turned my stomach sideways. And that's the world now. Like, that is all of it. And it it kills me, dude. It absolutely kills me. Like, we should be able to have conversations conversation we should be able to crack some of these eggs open you know and you shouldn't have to fold like a lawn chair and be fragile over your opinion you should stand there and take it you should talk about it but when i say stand and take it i do not mean people hanging terrible flags and saying shitty things to you about your viewpoint and being rude and nasty like and and that's really what it's come down to right it's it's really this this divide has gotten to you know people that have have become so uh, insular and 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 weak um that i that that we're not able to just talk anymore and i hate that part like that part to me if if we could get back to that if we could just talk again man like i i it breaks my heart because i i want to see that i want to see the the ability to have proper communication and proper discussion and disagreement like i do want to disagree i do want to say something and say it wrong but i still want to be let in the in the clubhouse right like i like that's the that's there because i for me and maybe it's just for me maybe i am in my enormous amount of ego the last person on the planet that is this person but i have not meant to hurt the other person when i said it right like i have not meant the offense i have not meant to hang a disgusting flag out on the front of my house that means that we can't talk anymore because i'm going to be shitty to you like that has never been what i meant not once i've never wanted to do that so i do want to be able to be wrong i do want to ask questions and i do want to talk but i don't know how to get my blue verified check that says that i'm not the asshole like that i'm not the one that's going to attack you i will talk to you i will want to know something and i will get it wrong and i'm still going to love you after that conversation you know like that's the part that's 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 starting to um erode some of the conversation for me it's starting to to make me want to check out and uh, to go into my own silosity and, and and run away from it because i i'm not sure i don't want to be at a place where my only tools are either to silo other people away from their viewpoints or to be shitty to everybody who talks to me like those aren't those aren't the tools that i was brought up with and those are not the most effective tools on the bench they're just the only ones left now yeah 
Both of them, I think, are fear, not fragility, although I think that's a distinction without a point. Uh, You know, uh, thinking about the flags and the anger and all of that, when you really ask, because I'm sure that flag went up on election night, not after, you know, a year and a half of saying, huh, you know, I really don't like the direction this administration is heading. I I think I'm going to get a flag. Like, I don't fucking believe that. Like, I think they just had a fuck Joe Biden flag or some other flag until that one came in from back order. And like, so when you get down to it with some folks who are just angry, like, and I'm going to take this into what I think the problem is on the liberal side is then on the conservative side. And I think both of those labels are bullshit now. I mean, I think Republican and Democrat are well more earned. I think there are interesting viewpoints that are conservative viewpoints and interesting viewpoints that are liberal viewpoints. They broadly get shuffled into the two teams we have because they're the only two teams we have. But I don't like I'm using when I'm using liberal and conservative, it's shorthand. I don't want to have that conversation, but like the anger, like the platform is own the lips. The platform is winning. And the one thing on the right that you see with the flags and the anger is they don't care how bullshit the candidate is. They don't care what the bullshit, what how, if the candidate voted Democrat for the last 30 years and just re-registered as a Republican to run for office, fine, as long as we can win with them. I, I mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, And you see that on the religious side of it with some of these very flawed candidates that were living a rowdy life that doesn't really eschew to Christian morality at all, but as long as they win, right? Like, as long as I'm going to own the libs, win, do the mean shit. And that's fear. That is the same kind of fragility projected in a very different way because you don't want to have to defend your viewpoint. So you're throwing your actual viewpoint to the curve and just shouting about it and just being mad and just being an asshole. And on the other side, where all of this comes from, like the don't ask questions, the left has a real purity test problem. Like, there's no tolerance for a big tent of people who mostly fall in line with the important ideas, but may disagree on a couple of things. Like, if you don't meet all of your punch card requirements, if you have questions about the movement, you are not welcome. You will be disowned and shuffled off, and we don't want to hear from you. Like, we're going to primary the shit out of you. We're going to kick you to the curb. You're going to lose your blue check. And that's also fear. And the fear, whether it's a, you know, there's this um, Dr. Seuss book, since I have a six-year-old, the um, Butter Battle book, which is over 50 years old now, uh, and it's very obviously an allegory about the Cold War and the nuclear arms race. And, you know, it's two identical-looking Dr. Seuss cities, and one of them butters their toast uh, butter-side up, and one butters them butter-side down. And as a result, the whole book is about an arms race escalation over the wall between them and hating everything that one another stand for. And I have had such fascinating conversations uh, with my little boy about how did it start? You know, how did it get to this point? You know, and the book very much ends... uh, in an unsusian cliffhanger where the two sides are just standing on that wall holding giant nuclear bombs ready to just obliterate everybody next to each other and who's going to drop it first. And like, 
you can go into that like is the left uh, siloed because the right's so mean? Is the right so mean because the left uh, won't let them ask questions and come to the table and talk? And so they come off as elitist and unapproachable and not willing to engage. So I'm not going to engage. I'm just going to fucking yell at them because they don't want to talk to me anyway. And you could go around in circles for hours about that. But at the end of the day, it is the kind of fear that I think you and I have talked about in religion a lot, especially Mm -hmm. smaller, insular religious groups that are built on the idea of evangelizing and conversions and bringing people over to your viewpoint. Very often, part of the rules, part of the teachings of the founders of those religions are, please don't read the other books. Uh, Like, there's nothing for you there. Like, it's just going to corrupt your soul. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the milk before the meat uh, and all of these, like, dumbass sayings that say, don't challenge our ideas, just follow them. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is on both, whether you're just, whether the edict is, be loud and support everybody we throw in front of you. Let's just win, win, win. Or it's, this is our platform. If you have questions, fuck off. Mm-hmm. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's just two different expressions of the same fear where we can't afford to be wrong and we can't afford to let other truths in or other ideas in. And it's silosity. Silosity. The silosity it lands to that yeah and i and you're right i definitely see the fear part of it it's the donnie darko is it love or is it fear where is it on the That's line right. I mean, it's <laughs> one or the other um yeah and I, I know weakness probably uh you know uh unfairly characterizes pieces of it i i realize that i i guess i i just the weakness i think maybe is more maybe not so much in the people not that there aren't weak people in, in either movement but but that there's um but when you brought out religion i thought about that like that it's that you know your book is really only going to hold water when you're not reading another book. If you if you read the other guy's book, this book will be bullshit, I promise you. <laughs> you know, so please don't read the other one. It won't go well for us. And that's why cuz so cuz cuz it's it's so fragile. It's so there's it's it's really the construct is only working as long as you're staying inside of it, right? Like it's not it's not allowed to, you know, it, it very leaky and it uh, will not hold hold uh, hold what it's supposed to. So, um in any case, um I I, uh, yes. So, um, I think we've solved another problem in the, in, in the universe. Um, that was, uh, that wasn't too bad. We, uh, did it in under 40 minutes. I think, I uh, love I think it. it's uh, impressive. So what did you think about the, um, house of dragons finale? Yeah, I, um, uh, would like to, uh, share an expert, uh, an expert. Nope. Not an expert. Um, we've already shared us, which, and we well, are experts, it. um, but I would like to share an excerpt, yes. um, of our, which is the other EX word. Um, th- I would like to share that, uh, you and I, uh, actually shared with one another, uh, on the evening of Sunday and, uh, I hadn't actually gotten to it quite yet, um, so uh, <laughs> I just got something from you at 1025 <laughs> that was just a guy shrugging his shoulders, an emoji shrugging his shoulders. And you said, thanks for the last 10 minutes, though. And then I wrote back and said, that's a weird review of this in progress Yankees game because I was watching the Yankees game at the time and you were doing the proper homework and not watching baseball. That's and uh, and then 
wrote back and said it's evergreen <laughs> because it really does apply to just about anything and it definitely applies to that game four of the, <laughs> the LCS game and it, it certainly uh, same thing with uh, with House of the Dragon yeah um, yeah I, you know there's a it's uh, uh, I, I wish I could quote George W. Bush because I think I would just be a funnier guy if I could nail all of his falling over words. Um, he probably did say silosity before we did. So, uh, you know, we should probably check our trademark on that. But, uh, um, you know, the fool me once, fool me twice kind of thing here. Like, I feel that way about Game of Thrones, the prequel that we've been watching. Yes, um, I felt very much like the way that that show has uh, telegraphed the big moments, it is them saying, hey, you would be really excited if we had one of those big moments, would you? We would also be excited about that big moment. It's going to be a big moment. I can't wait to talk about that big moment. The big moment is fantastic. It is such a great big moment. So many cool big moments. It's like that other big moment we had a long time ago. This one will be better. <laughs> and we like big moments the same as you. And big moments are so cool. Oh my gosh, we ran out of time. I guess we'll just have to give you a big moment next time. And Game of Thrones has done that. <laughs> <laughs> so many times to me and I am the asshole for thinking that I'm not going to get bit by it again and as if I don't know say a dragon were to bite you um, I, 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 but I got bit again it happened again I saw episode 9 in a hotel with a dark television mm -hmm. uh, whilst having terrible heartburn and that episode ends with a hey we're going to have a big moment <laughs> in, in, in episode right? 10. Stomps gonna, right into the room, the... says, here's my big moment. That's it. Dude. Like it just, we was, it was big moment time. Just and hot, when you see the trailer for episode breath. 10, like I, you saw the trailer for episode 10, which by the way, masterful cutting of a trailer because it just looked like episode 10 was going to be everything. I mean, they, uh, if anybody's getting an award for the season of house of the dragon, it is definitely the marketing team. They, they got me because I, I, there's a great way to end episode nine. And I said, great. Okay. Episode 10 is going to be all the things I've been here for nine episodes of sometimes very good stuff and sometimes middling bullshit. And yet, we are about to have episode 10. We are going to have dragons. There will be so many dragons, all the dragons, big, big, big moments. We're going to have big moments. And we spent that whole episode, that whole episode, just priming the engine, priming the engine, like being promised about that big episode. It was the, it was, it was that, that dumb, idiotic, nonsensical timeshare meeting that you have to sit through before you can actually get your two tickets to Hawaii. And you're just sitting there getting preached at about the stupid free tickets you're going to get for an hour. And then you yes. get to the end and you find out you're not getting any fucking tickets today, man. Why are you, what are you, some kind of idiot? You were never getting tickets. What did you even show up for? And that's what happened. Like this was, I didn't even look at the, 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 the timer, but I, I should have known better like it was just we they spent so much of that episode not doing the big moment 
you couldn't do the big moment that we were out of time. We were out of time. You had to do something. And yes, you're right to quote you yet again. Thanks for the last 10 minutes, though. That was cool. That was fine. I I enjoyed it. I think that there was I, you know, credit where credit's due. The um, very Jurassic Parky, uh, you know, when Vagar is in the background at, at, at in Baratheon and the rain's coming down and he gets up and says, I'm about to dragon y'all. He got that, like, <laughs> he was big back there. And that was great. It was great. I was like, yep, I am ready. I have paid the piper. I have been through this whole episode. I'm so glad we're going to have that. And, and then we had some dragon moments. I enjoyed those 10 minutes quite a bit. I, I now know that you could have given me the big moment. <laughs> I, I am not, you have shown me your bona fides. Thank you for now rolling the credits and making me wait two years before I could even consider seeing a big moment. And then it was out. Um, so, you know what? It's my fault. Yeah. I, I so wanted that episode to be everything and I expected it and they, they got me good. They got me good. Here's where it really stings. And I do think the whole thing is that um, SNL sketch, uh, when will the bass drop? Like, it, it is the show, just with dragons. And um, I, I know, now that I'm in that frame of mind, um, Kid's Dragon is not called Skrillax, but it's close to Skrillax. Um, <laughs> it really so it's be. close enough that it is Skrillax now. And it like you had that scene like now. when he's getting the fuck out of there and he's like kind of pausing, like, wait, where's the big guy? And Skrillax is just like nudging him, like, dude, we gotta go, we gotta go. Come <laughs> on. Like <laughs> there's like great animation on that, like just like that dragon was not thrilled about what he was about to fly in fly into. Like he understood yep. that things were not great. That's right. uh, and I thought that was relatively well done. I, yeah. I'm going to roll it back and kind of give some some positives because I think the thing that hurts the most about this show and the time jumps is the whole thing is unbalanced. And it might be that it should have been an eight-episode season. And I never say that. I hate the run to eight-episode seasons of things. I, I love 10 and 13-episode seasons. I love having enough content. But I think there's so much vamping between episode nine and episode 10. And I think the showrunner said, you know, this is meant to be kind of like a near real timey kind of like sister episodes where you've got Alicent and then you've got Renera and both of them are doing their bits. And that's cool. I think you could have smushed that mostly into one episode in a much more clever way and given yeah. us a little more meat on the bones. What yeah. I appreciate is for the first time as Renera is lining up her support, I felt something approaching some depth of character for her that I don't think the writers allowed to happen until now. Mm. Like I just think she was poorly written after the time jump in ways that her younger self was very engaging and very captivating and very interesting. That just made the time jumped Renera a much harder pill to swallow. And in right. this, when she's finally taking on the weight of being this queen in exile and garnering support and garnering respect and showing restraint and actual statesmanship, you know, I saw pieces that I really wish I had had for another four episodes before because she is very much like the heart of this that they just didn't mm -hmm. give us. And, you know, everybody around that table who has decided to support her and even Damon's anti-hero nonsense, um, it was very much like that scene with the two Kingsguards called back to 
Khaleesi in Game of Thrones when she started saying, I got to get tough and was like executing her enemies with at Dragonflame. And it was yes. almost like a one-to-one scene yes. that they called to. Yes. And like, even there, like I thought there was more depth in what he was doing and more depth than him, like with the Aegon Jr. coming to him and saying, fuck off, stepdad. Mom said no. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, just come with me. Like, there's more character there. There's more meat. Mm-hmm. And we didn't mm-hmm. have it. We didn't have it until now. And that made waiting for the dragon flight payoff, which was a brilliant scene. Um, Metal Gear Solid villain um, son also, like his reaction when shit got out of control. Like, you really see that moment where it went from jabbing at like the kids that you grew up with and being like asshole adolescents, like, which is really like, you're just the supreme, like you have no limits. Like you are just the Instagram heroes to beat them all. And so like the idea of like teasing this kid who came like honorably to like, just do this bidding. Like he was just trying to fucking hassle him. He was just fucking with him. He was not trying to kill him. And like, you saw that moment of like, I'm on this, like, 12-story tall beast that I don't fully control, and now I done fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that was good. That was depth. Like, there were good things, and I just wish we had more of it over the past episodes because it showed what could happen. And this episode, in a vacuum, would have been fine if there was mm-hmm. more buildup and payoff uh, and yes. heavy emphasis on the end payoff in the other episodes. Yes. Yes. Just didn't get those. It's a great point, and 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 don't forget too the 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 fact that uh, Skrillax, the little one, the little dragon, he was also uncontrollable. Like he was pissed off yeah. at Vagar, and he threw fire right in his his stupid face, and you know, and because it was a it was a is a amazing. And and also back to your point about Renera, where she said, you know, I don't want to rule over a kingdom of ash. If we go to war with dragons, this it all goes down. Everything burns. And you know, and and up until the scene with Vagar and and the little dragon, like you don't really get the sense that these dragons are anything other than just you know, god mode cheats, right? That are that can actually wipe out anything, right? So. I think it's it's an impressive moment there because it really does kind of pause the idea of the warfare. You know what I mean? Of saying, "Hey, this is probably a this is probably like definitely the way to win, but also like the winning might not go the way we want it to go because if the dragon gets pissed off enough, he's just going to do whatever the hell he wants, and we're going to be on the ride, hopefully. You know what I mean? And some of us just aren't going to make it." Um, very interesting. I thought that was a great. That was that was that was a great. That, if there was no other takeaway from this episode, it was certainly that of like, hey, I know you're all excited about fights with dragons. Be aware that they're not like they're not robots. They're not guns. They're just going to do what the hell they feel like when they get out there, you know. And they'll take some prodding and they will take some commands. And they're mostly just going to get pissed and do dragon shit. And I, I loved that they they typified that in that moment. That was that was very 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 good. Yeah. Yeah, um, it harkened me back to, um, nope, the one line, you don't tame a predator, you negotiate with it. 
Yes, yes, exactly right. Exactly, exactly. Yes, perfect, perfect analogy. Yeah, that, that works works really well. So, yeah, it wasn't a bad episode in its vacuum in, in what it was doing. I enjoyed the episode for what it was. For it to be the season finale, it was fucked. Like, that is not enough. And honestly, like, we were actually in the middle of some thought processes at the end of that. Forget about the fact that I deserve, <laughs> I demand that I get the Dance of the Dragons when they have the full-on shit because that's what you told me <laughs> like i spent nine episodes saying that that's where we were going in episode 10 so you know so fuck you very much for not giving that to me but also they were in the middle of just currying favor for Renera's claim to the, the throne we only had one son go out the other son is still going out right they were going to go to house stark right mm -hmm. like the, the other was also riding on Dragonback and going farther right like they were going out to the stark to, to yeah to, to do that we don't even get to see that we don't know what happened with that um uh renice was actually gonna um with the with the sea snake they were gonna uh set up the sanctions was it sanctions or i mean i guess you can call them sanctions or blockade or, thing or, yeah yeah or like a they basically siege siege the red keep by by closing all the the water lanes yep. right so we had just decided that and we but we didn't see any of the results of that that wasn't coming up um and i think there was one other house that they were actually sending somebody to i don't remember who was going but somebody was going to the third house um because it was brathy and stark and tully maybe i don't remember what the third one was whatever the third one was they were going to send somebody else there with ravens or whatever to see what they were going to decide about the war so to end on this note was like like this it still would not have been acceptable if you would have told me what happens with the other son with his dragon and his uh, trip to Stark and the other house that you were going to and then ended with this but at least that would have made sense right like at least you would have ended all of the thought processes about what are going to happen and then starting next season the results of everybody who has cast their lot with this house or that house and you know whether it's with Alicent or Renera, we would actually have had the results of those things now we're going to start next season wasting my fucking time by finding out more of who's on which side and what are we going to do so how many episodes are we going to spend on that and let, you know like we, we there was just as as good a scene as it was and as good as some of the development was like this was an in-process thing like we were not even done with the current thoughts yet um and for them to just drop it here felt uh irresponsible i, I, I was irritated uh quite a bit yeah um, and it's so. not like it's a mid-season break which would make more sense right like it's not right. that it's like you said two years until we get to the next of four seasons and there's a lot that happens in this uh, prequel universe like there's a lot to get done with a lot of dragons fucking a lot of people up and we got to get to that like we got to start fucking people up like let's do yeah. it Yes, yes. It, it is weird to me what we're going to do with four seasons of that total like it, it feels like we are kind of getting to the central conflict now so i'm wondering like what all would be in the can there i mean obviously i can go cheat and look at the book but you know it would be i know that this is already having some divergences from the book so it'll be interesting to see what that's all about but um yeah just uh, uh frustrating and disappointing in that way um I, some commentary too about um I, you know, I abhor, you know, violence against women. And, and, and I, I think that one of the things that I'm not a crazy fan of, um, I don't know that I, I like polarize myself to this uh, viewpoint exclusively, but I can now at least see it is the violence towards women is feels like 
uh, it's being pushed in some way with um, all the really rough childbirth stuff that's gone on in that show. Um, and it feels like, like, I mean, they're all popping out babies like, like jelly beans, right? Like there's, there's lots of kiddos all over the place. Right. And from lots of different people. And the only ones they seem to be keen on filming are the ones that where the kid is dying, the mom is dying or both. And I don't know why we're doing that. Like, that's a weird thing to do. Um, especially like with this episode where we got, and, and I, I've thought that that was a horribly gratuitous scene I, I, I like i think that uh added nothing to that character it didn't tell me anything more about renera that i didn't know before or after um i i literally think that that was like the very definition of gratuitousness like yeah. it was shock value in a way that didn't serve that character any more than what i felt about her before or after that scene um I just did. I, I I was I was extremely turned off by that. Kind of in the same way that, like a different way, but the same way where we had to sit through the, you know, the steamy '80s love scene between you know uncle and niece, you know, in in the in the a couple episodes ago. And I mean, barely sat through it because our TVs were not able to see what was going on. But that's right. Like, <laughs> it, but it was, uh, you know, it was like also the same thing. Like, you know, okay, you can just tell me that this happened, or you can cut away, or something. Like, I don't feel any better about what you're doing because I had to stare at it like and and like that scene in particular the stillbirth scene at the end was like very like uh, in this last episode rather was very um I don't know gratuitous is the word I'm gonna stick with I felt like it was uh irresponsibly uh gross yeah and I, it didn't, I, didn't do anything I think it's a a good point I, I think it's fair I hadn't really thought about it but you know I mean in turning lens so we've had three dead babies now uh, out of four birth scenes. And the only one that wasn't a dead baby was right after the time jump when we meet Renera in childbirth. And even that is fraught with her being miserable and called to the queen. And there's like all of this brooding about what the baby looks like, what's Allison going to do with this baby and all of that misery. And that's the only baby that was born and didn't die on camera, right? Uh, the sure. other three, like we have this stillbirth, we have <clears throat> Damon's other wife, uh, and yep. then we had um, uh, Viserys. Viserys, yeah. Yeah, Viserys yeah. So like, you're right, like that's out of four on-screen births in 10 episodes, one baby didn't die along with the mother or alone. So yeah, yeah I don't know what, they're what the story the showrunners are trying to tell with that. Uh, it's an interesting question to explore you know it's not a question of toughness and i understand like you have source material and just like any source material certain people have to be born and die according to the source material but when you have 10 and a half hours maybe you know if you're going a little over 60 minutes an episode to tell the story that you want to tell this season anything that you are choosing to film and spend time with just like Viserys taking roughly 30 minutes to walk to the throne um, in that one scene like you're doing it to make a point you're saying something on purpose because it's important to you as the writer and the director to tell this story so what is that story and uh, you know why did Renner call her boys into the room for that. Uh, also, like that was a whole thing, you know. Uh, your queen mother has called for you. Uh, what, like she wasn't in a talking mood. Like, right. sup? 
Right. You know, what, do you need me? Can I get you a Sprite? <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry. Was that an old message? Did that just like get cached and not send until this morning? Yeah. Right. Oh, you probably didn't mean now, did you, Mom? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. Like I just, and even in the one scene where the baby didn't die, like it was, she's walking. It was like a wonder where she was like walking from the childbirth with afterbirth trailing after her yep. on the floor and her ready to pass out and, and possibly die from sepsis if she doesn't get something, you know, I mean, she's she, like, she's gonna, you know what I mean? Like she's, she's, she's supposed to go lay the hell down you know and i i don't know i i think that whatever the message was there i didn't get it and also i um i am a little bit uh i'm a little bit i was starting to get to the point where like you've done this trick enough times that like since i don't get it i think you're just trying to show me something gross and like that's a weird that's a weird like it's almost like it was like well we you know we have some extra room in our rated r hbo max budget so let's just make sure we do something else you know and like right like i mean that's an expensive scene like the the model of the baby and like you know slapping on the stone floor and like like they took time to make this extremely uh uncomfortable scene happen and i i i'm just not sure what i was supposed to get out of it you know um so uh anyway um you know fine episode overall i there's a lot of holes there like there's a lot a lot of ways in which it wasn't perfect um i like Matt Smith a lot, I am starting to uh, be maybe a little bit upset with uh, his um, his instability as a character um, because I feel like his acting chops are not being considered or welcomed in his instability. Like he is an interesting character outside of, you know, fucking his niece. He's an interesting character and they he has like these like, um, self-serving kind of evil moments, but he also has these incredibly sweet and interesting moments. And, uh, I love all of those. I don't always understand the twist. Like when he twists to being a bad dude, like, I feel like it just comes too far out of left field. Um, and I don't know that that's really his fault because I do think that he's a great actor. Um, but he's either not being directed well or the writing isn't there for him. But I don't like that about his character at all. I am I'm a little bit uh, frustrated. Like when he chokes Renera because he doesn't know about the prophecy of the Song of Ice and Fire. Like that's that twist didn't make sense. He didn't deliver that very well. I didn't like that that happened there in that moment. Um, I, there was something about that that just felt very off and it isn't the first time that it's happened but it was definitely the, the one of the more poignant moments in which I didn't understand why he was unstable like he just decided to twist left um, like he's off his meds and I, I don't I don't know why that was going on but it was a it was a kind of a tough moment there I, I didn't quite understand that either um, so anyway we've beat the hell out of this episode but I I, yep. I, I was um, you know the moments that were good were great and they, they there were some some terrific moments um, I am going to be spending the rest of my money for the rest of my life on recreating that table with the <laughs> with the epoxy <laughs> and the candles under yeah, it, it that's great. the most beautiful table <laughs> that's it's it the most and beautiful we can table. do it with LEDs it doesn't have to be you know with candles but right like they just they turned that sucker on and was like oh that's way yeah. cooler than dude's lego city way cooler <laughs> way cooler yes way cooler love that love that that was cool as shit so right. uh, you know 
some good stuff overall but uh yeah um so that was that that was that yeah um and i guess pivoting off of there was uh yet another brand new show uh the peripheral on amazon prime video yeah just in time for lord of the rings to be over uh, they dropped this and i had not really seen or heard much about it uh, ahead of time it's uh, not something that i've been watching previews and like really looking forward to uh i just saw i I actually saw the premiere for it and said to Steph, all right, I'm going to read you something and let me know if you want to watch this with me. And I read her the synopsis and she said, have fun watching that tonight. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good for you. Um, <laughs> this is me not yucking on your yum. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it was. Uh, and it was, I mean, I think coming into a show with that kind of like entry, you know, if it's something that, you know, if there is a book, I'm sure there's a book or whatever. And like, this is like a beloved, you know, story from my past or whatever. And like, I'm, it's finally coming on and I've been waiting for this for two years. I might feel differently, but coming in, having <clears throat> just had to suffer through a um, lock and key episode because I just didn't have anything else on, this was fucking nice. This was uh, much better. Uh, I enjoyed it i uh, i'm sorry is 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 this the most are you maintaining the position that <laughs> the peripheral is better than an episode of lock and key is that the position you are maintaining sir i i do believe that the peripheral is better than an episode of lock and key and i would recommend to all people who are piloting new shows to put at least 10 to 15 minutes of lock and key at the front of it and then run Perfect. their show like i i think that's definitely that is the way to do it. That is mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just a wonderful comparison. No offense to Lock and Key. It is a candy Netflix show that is not ever claimed to be anything other than it is. And I'm sure somebody somewhere likes it because they I... are in like their fourth season and Netflix has gotten a little ruthless canceling shit that's not going so well. So I have to believe... I mean, they canned another Earth, didn't they? And that was like way better than Lock and Key. So I, I, the last cavity filling I had is way better than Lock and Key. But the robots I, are saying it's good. I have all good. of the offense. You don't want to give Lock and Key for both of us. I will. I will happily offend Lock and Key until it is crawling in the corner. The, the robot at the end of She-Hulk said that people love Lock and Key and they're going to keep making it until that changes. And so <laughs> somebody likes it, and somebody likes it. And like we've said, we are all fragile and filled with silosity and Mm -hmm. I am afraid of my opinion being challenged and so when somebody um, calls me out on how great lock and key is I just want to say that I am your favorite phrase I'm holding space for them I am am ready to hear how when they were in a very vulnerable place at one point and they didn't know where to turn it was lock and key that was there for them and that's yeah. okay. I think it's a steaming pile of horseshit, and I'm just mm-hmm. out of shows. I've reached the end of the internet. So, Peripheral <laughs> came on. That was the end of the internet. That's true. Yes, I, uh, it's yeah. got a big budget. It's splashing. Like It's Splash. a very interesting universe. There's lots of British people. I don't know why mm-hmm. there are giant 3D printed statues all over England. Like they make mm-hmm. that an interesting part of the backdrop. And mm-hmm. I do like that. Like I like the idea of taking fresh ideas of where the future could end up. And there's something 
kind of sexy about saying like really like and they have like in the near future instead of like a Kinko's it's like a 3D printing lab right where right. people are going like you can kind of see we're heading there right like mm-hmm. these are mm-hmm. getting to be mm-hmm. affordable things where you can just fabricate anything at home and if you don't have that you would go just like you would go to the copy place like hey would you um create this for me and so the future London has these giant, like way taller than the skyscrapers, recreations of like Grecian classical sculptures that are mm-hmm. buildings. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can almost see how like our supersizing the idea of 3D printing could create architecture like that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Like I love playing with those concepts and what they're doing with the future. They're doing a hell of a lot of timey-wimey shit as well, and I think mm-hmm. it may stretch past credulity pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought some of the choreography was great that I've seen so far. The firefight, uh, and I, again, I don't know how far you've gotten um, into this, but there's a firefight at uh, the girl's home when some mm-hmm. military folks come from them. And that was a relatively well-done gun, gunfight scene that I was not expecting in this show. Like when they mm-hmm. ramped that up and made that conflict, uh, pretty nifty. I haven't run into too many hard flaws yet, and we'll see how the season progresses. But I'm kind of optimistic that Amazon's got something here. Yeah, I uh, I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. I think it is obscenely expensive, and that shows. It's uh, it's well um, well funded as a show. Um, I uh, Chloe Grace Moretz uh, does great work. Um, I, I, I did I tell you to watch Mother Android that movie did, on Hulu. I don't know if you watched that. You you might have, but since I'm watching episodes of Lock and Key, I'm going to assume that the message didn't land the way it was supposed to. <laughs> so too, I did also ask you to wash my car, which is better than uh, <laughs> watching Lock and Key, and you're just ignoring some of this. So maybe uh, I would I would recommend that. That was the most recent thing I've seen her in. Uh, and uh, I mean, I remember her from Kick Ass, and she did a great job as a child actor there. But like, this is you know, she's an adult now, and uh, and uh, I think she did she did terrific work um, uh, here so far. Um, a couple of things uh, poke a couple of holes that I, I wasn't too crazy about. Um, the beginning when you know uh, she jumps into that VR game that uh, she's supposed to that her brother's supposed to be playing. Yeah. There's some terrible Samsung 1.0 filter that they put on everything that was supposed to make that war scene look like a video game. And I was almost out there. I was like, if you're going to do this, like if this is a show about VR and gaming and you're going to show me this as what VR gaming is like, like it just offended me on several levels. It's like the dumb eighties shit about like nobody understanding what video games are. And so they just filmed the real thing because it's in the future. And then they put a filter on it that I could, you know, get from Snapchat from five years ago and it like you know it just looked awful and and but i had to know it was a video game when they did that that's correct that was a weird thing to do um we probably won't have a lot of time to talk about video games today there is a game coming out and i do want to direct you and the audience's attention to called the finals uh coming out uh developed with unreal engine 5 um and to look at the graphics in uh, the finals is uh, is is something to behold, um, and it is a you know competitive 
multiplayer shooter game, um, but looks outstanding. Um, and like when you shoot guys and they die, they turn into a pile of gold coins that like falls on the ground. But like the animation and physics of everything is like is just next level stuff, like very, very impressive. Um, so I would have expected in 2032, which is when the first of the two timelines of the show kicks off. That's what things would look like just in VR um, and not whatever the hell that was. Um, this old Call of Duty knockoff with a dumb filter on it like that looked stupid and didn't work for me. Um, but past that, yes, I think there was some cool kind of like retro futurism about like, you know, a 3D printing place in the in the one horse town that they live in. I thought that was you're right. That was a great touch um there um the war veteran that has his little wheels that he plugs into yep. when he you know leaves the bar you know is 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 an is a neat thing um the haptics on the soldiers is cool i do love that the brother and his you know his band of of other uh, soldiers were not just a bunch of idiot luddites but like that they like when it was when it was a rumbling time like they knew to like you know what i mean they could throw the hell down and they were still fully prepared for war even though they're you know ostensibly hicks in the in the forest somewhere you yeah. know um and they did that just right like i felt like that was absolutely handled perfectly um it was a great reward you're right the choreography in that scene was great i'm about halfway through the second episode um so i'll, I'll try to finish that up tonight so i can have a little more commentary on it um it is a little timey wimey so far. The idea of stubs and changing the timeline when you jump back into it and stuff like that. I do appreciate branching timelines and and parallel threads. I think that's probably the cleanest way you can do that, yeah. uh, since nobody knows what the hell it is anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I think that I'm not sure that I love all of the acting. I think that there's been a couple of characters that don't fully resonate with me right now. Um, uh, I don't remember her name right now. Um, Alita is it, is it Alita is the British, uh, chicky they're trying to, to, to chase after, mm-hmm. um, in the future. Um, I don't, I think she's very glaring and very, you know, serious. And like, there's a, there's a little bit much of the leaning in with her character that, uh, I'm not sure that I, uh, I get and I identify with very much. I think she's overdoing it a little bit um, for me. Um, not offensively, but enough that I'm like yeah. a little bit like, you know, I, I need to know why we're doing the brooding thing 24 seven. Like it's like extra heavy on her. Um, and then like, it seems like it's a suit that only the females are wearing because like, it's like also the um, uh, Asian girl with the, uh, with the Irish brogue that she has. And I've only seen her in two scenes now, the one with the animated tattoo. Yep. Um, um, and, uh, she seems to just be in a, a perpetual bad mood and like, like, I, 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 I don't know. There, there's sort of a thing there that's not, I'm not, I'm not maybe understanding why they're, they're, uh, they're, they're making that happen with those particular characters, but it does feel overdone. It feels like this is how they're going to be tough is because they're going to have a chip on their shoulder and, and mad all the time. And I don't, I don't know that that has to be that right. Like you don't like it. it it's almost mm. a little sexist in some ways. Maybe, so but uh, it's, uh, are you saying uh, they should smile more? I'm saying that they don't <laughs> have to be tough in order to be mean, like, uh, like, uh, like the, or they don't have to be mean in order to be tough. Excuse me. That's what I mean. Like, they, right. like it's, it's more of like a, because they don't expect that from the male actors, right? Like the male actors can just have a presence in a room, but it sort of seems like they want to undercut their female characters by saying, well, if you don't glower over there or say nasty, quippy things all the time, then obviously you're not tough. And like, it, it's almost disempowering in some way. 
like it's like they can just be because especially when you look at the main character Flynn right like she's she is just she's just made of grit right like she's just a badass and she doesn't have to do that like she's had fun and she has her eye on that that one cop that is in a relationship and she's you know what I mean like she's you know what I mean and she's she cares for her mother and she's got like she's got a pluckiness about her that like works and makes her like our our protagonist like as you know tough as nails but but she doesn't have to be like just you know like 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 showing everybody how tough she is yeah um i I think i i see that in both the guy that's funding all of this in the future and the kingpin mob guy in the recent past who is getting kind of like recruited like he's the drug dealer um, older guy like they both have like I could describe a lot of that like one note kind of like brooding to those two as well and so it may be early like because I think Maybe. Alita in particular the counterpoint that I would make is the first broad chunk that we have they wrote her and played her voiceover so that it wasn't clear that she wasn't just an AI, right? Like that she was like, you didn't find out that she was a person until Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. end of this very lengthy sequence. And so I don't know that we've had enough of her, her motivations, Mm. because from that point on, she's in high stress, uh, about to die kinds of moments that don't give a lot of room for range. Um, Mm -hmm. I do agree with actually both lackeys because the other guy that's kind of serving um, the rich dude, like the one guy, was also very much in that one note. So the other thing we don't know yet is how many of these are real people. Like, are we doing kind of a Westworld thing where like these robots can be anybody from anywhere and may not actually be people? So. I feel you like I definitely do validate what you're saying about some of these characters being like unnecessarily brooding and not having depth. I don't know that we've seen them enough uh, to know (laughs) where they're going to go and how they're going to develop. Totally fair. Yeah, it, it's early days. This is only two episodes. Uh, we, we, they 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 deserve more runway. I've given shows like I don't know Lock and Key more than that. So <laughs> I would I would absolutely, uh, you know, let's see how they how they how they flesh that out. Yeah, for sure. And yes, this they are going to do a Westworld thing because it's Jonathan Nolan. Of course, we're going to do a Westworld thing because he doesn't know what else to do now. He just makes that's Westworld correct. stuff. So that's what we're going to have. Um, but <laughs> but it's uh, but it, yeah. Overall, I, I I think they've done a great job with uh with everything that they've delivered i i I, um uh am hopeful that the um uh the wilf you were mentioning the wilf like uh, the character he um uh he i saw him last in uh and he had an excellent turn in the deuce um and uh did you i don't remember if you had done the deuce or not i I did I, i definitely did the deuce Yes, so he's he's in that, and he's uh, he was one of the pimps in that, and I, th- I thought he did a fantastic turn in that. He was very, you know, he's a scary character in all the right ways, you know, that you would want that character to be. So I thought they did that great with him. Um, he feels a little just underutilized. I don't know if it's, if it's the brooding of him, but he feels like they don't they're not letting him off a leash to to really act because he did outstanding work in the Deuce. Um, so. I, I'm hopeful that they do something with him uh, that's a bit more, you know, fleshed out. Um, other than that, though, yeah, it is early days still. It's probably going to have to wait a couple of episodes to really see how it goes. But I do, I do enjoy it so far. This is a great. Um, it's a good uh, palate cleanser. Is not the right word. It's a great companion piece to Rings of Power. 
I feel like this picked up where, where Rings of Power left off. Also got to say, um, Amazon's starting to get quite a bit of a stable of outstanding shows that I have yeah. enjoyed. Um, I, I, I don't know that I ever considered it the same way um, as I have some of the other networks. Um, I've had the couple things that I have enjoyed on there, but um, there are some like medium to great shows. Like I, I, um, uh, I don't know why I can't think of it now. It's the... Um, You'll have to help me with the Billy Bob Thornton lawyer show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've even watched it, but I also <laughs> have um, consumed uh, cannabis in my life, and um, I no longer remember the name of the show. Crispy. Yes. Um, I don't think that was the name of it. Um, it should be. Not, it's the name of us. It's, it's, not, it's not Sling Blade. It's, um, it's Goliath. Goliath. Got it in two. That you got it in two. You and unlike all the other times you've said I got it in two, you actually got it in two this time. I that did. Was good. I, I did. <laughs> I just was going to run through the dumb shit that I know that isn't this, and Sling Blade was where I landed, and that was the only other thing I remembered him being in. That's perfect. Okay, so Goliath, I thought was a medium to good show on this. Yeah, on this yeah, yeah. That was great. Um, really liked it. Sneaky Pete, I thought was 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 good stuff. Really, really well built. Um, I uh, did uh, Patriot. I thought Patriot was fun. It's a very slow boil, but I thought that was pretty good. Um, and uh, I um, and then Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is maybe some of my favorite television. Uh, Rings of Power, which was outstanding from you know that that whole first episode, and now this is a uh, very top tier stuff. They're um, yeah, they're showing up. They're, they're like, really showing up. They started off kind of like the the showtime of streaming services. Mm, in a lot mm. of this, you know, because like you've got kind of billions and some other stuff that's like, okay. And then, yeah. uh, you know, you've got the Gallaghers, which is a much better comedy and then just overdone for too many seasons. And I feel like they're kind of pulling it from that Showtime character towards the HBO direction with Lord of the Rings mm. and really, um, and the expanse when they had and really starting to hit some heavy hitters. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I fucking love the streaming wars. Everybody should be competing for my eyeballs. Just keep throwing mm-hmm. money at the problem. Throw money at the problem. Make good TV. I want to see good TV. I love good TV. Make good TV. And I think um, with that, we've pretty much made a good podcast. You know, we've kind of gone solid and we solved politics and social media mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we got all the way to 3D printed stillborn babies. So I, um, I don't know what else our, our listeners could want. I think it's um, fuck the Astros. I think that's the other that's thing that correct. they want. Um, um, I think that was it. You know, yeah, those cheating fucks, the Astros. Normally, I would feel that way. I mean, and as a Phillies fan, I am happy to take revenge for those people. You're wearing a New York shirt right now, and also who we grew up with is um, camping out in protest in Bronx Park. I get it, and we'll do what we can. But the Phillies are playing with house money, and for the Yankees to not win... Here's what I will say for New York fans to take solace is there's no good outcome for the Astros now because if they win the World Series, they built the they beat the NL six seed that barely limped into the playoffs, arguably the worst team the National League could have thrown at them. And if they lose, they're going to be a laughing stock forever. Mm. As a Phillies fan, I am happy to deliver on that second one. Like I think that would be fun. Like it's a team that um, has gone nine and two in the playoffs. Like yeah. really, like uh, that is a hungry team. Last mm-hmm. um, 
had a World Series appearance in 2009 after winning in 08 and last in the playoffs at all, 2011. So, wow, I didn't know that. That's a long time. The, the longest drought in the NL. So, like, it really is a David versus Goliath story. And um, as we know from watching the end of Game of Thrones and Skrillex, it always ends well for David. Yes, it does. Always, <laughs> always, always. And <laughs> AKA splat. Yes. And now we've done our required sports talk. We really have it at all. It is That's a it. fucking. I, I, please tune in next October <laughs> when we do sports again on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. You are listening to Silosity. That's right. <laughs> That's it, dude. Yes. Awesome podcast. Yeah. All right. Talk to you on next week. Okay. Later, everybody.